Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Sliding Doors, which came out in 1998 and stars Gwyneth Paltrow and John Hanna. And I guess also John Lynch, but like who, you know? That is that the current boyfriend? Jerry? Jerry, yes. That stars Gwyneth Paltrow in a troublingly upsetting British accent. Yes. Troubling wig. She sounds like a second year drama student who just finished their dialects course. Yeah. And I say that as someone who was once a second year drama student who had taken a dialects course. So that's a cell phone, but also like, ma'am. There are moments when you can see her like working at the accent. It does not come naturally. And everybody else around her is like a native British speaker. And so right. it's even more apparent because the rest of this cast cast is British people with the exception of Jean Triblehorn, but she's playing an American. Well, so and the friend no is her best friend is Irish, but I, I would guess a, like an Irish woman. Yes. I was just clarifying that we understand that Irish is not British. <laughs> sure. Sure. But like everybody's using their real accent except Gwyneth Paltrow. And it is, so bad. I Apparent. I would like to make a, a bold statement up front. For decades, maybe less so recently, but for a very long time, we were sold the idea that Gwyneth Paltrow was a talented actor. And I don't believe that was accurate. <laughs> that is bold. I don't mind to her be in fair, this movie. It's also a badly written movie. <laughs> Um, I don't mind her in this other than the accent. Like, I think she's doing the best she can with <laughs> the accent. This is also, I mean, this is 1998. This is peak Gwyneth Paltrow. She is like, yeah, she's like fresh girl. off an Oscar for a movie I also dislike. <laughs> this is, so 1998, this movie came out, Shakespeare in Love came out, and there was a third. Oh, A Perfect Murder all came out in 1998. So, and she's like fresh off Brad Pitt. She's starting to date Ben Affleck. I mean, we are peak Gwyneth Paltrow. She is everywhere in this yes. moment. Um, yes, 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 yes. Karen, we should go back. You love this movie. If I'm not mistaken, you put this in your top 10 rom-coms? Did I? I'm going to check. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I guess you have your notebook. I was going to go back into our Instagram I think I've got it right here. Hold on. I but I don't know if it's like... in this notebook. Hold on. Mm. Yeah, nope. here. Oh, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what? I I want you to feel free to amend that if you need, but also if you don't. It's a personal choice. I'd have to go back and think about it. I still enjoyed this movie, if we're being honest. When was the last time you saw this movie before this morning? <laughs> I don't know. It had been a couple years. I mean, not terribly long, because I think I watched it with Jeff. So, like, sometime in the course of our relationship. I remember watching it relatively recently, but I don't, like, not, like, in quarantine, but, like, in the last few years. Like, and I, but I don't remember... Maybe I just like wasn't watching it to be critical about it. But I don't maybe remember. Not, maybe this is just not the movie you needed right now. 
maybe this is not maybe, you maybe were it not, not right come to me in the right time. Okay, wait. What is the premise of this movie? <laughs> I'm putting okay, word so movie. So the premise in is that Gwyneth Paltrow, she's like a she young works in PR, PR, twenty thirty something. Yeah, she works in PR because it's a rom com. Um, she lives in London. She's got a boyfriend. She's got a flat. She's got it all. She's living her best life. And she, when we meet her, she is fired from her job. So she leaves work early and heads home. And at this point, the narrative splits and we get one Gwyneth Paltrow that makes the train home and one Gwyneth Paltrow that does not get the train home. It's important to know that both Gwyneth Paltrow's have a very bad wig right now. The, the like mousy brown hair look that we're giving Gwyneth Paltrow is awful. This movie follows in the rom-com trope that brown-haired women can't be happy. Well, it's also get like a, a platinum blonde. Do it's also like a truly bizarre shade of brown. It's like almost gray. It's really weird. It's a terrible wig. So anyway, so the Gwyneth Paltrow that catches the train um, gets home early and finds her boyfriend in bed with Jean Triplehorn. After meeting um, John Hanna on the train. After meeting John Hanna in the elevator at work and then on the train. Right. So she, so that narrative, she leaves the boyfriend, she starts a new life. Goes to live with her Irish the other friend, one starts a PR firm, falls in love with John Hanna. Correct. The other one because she misses the train then she gets mugged she has to go to the hospital because she gets a cut on her forehead she does not get home in time to catch her boyfriend jerry in bed with jean Triplehorn. so she stays in the relationship she is not inspired by john hannah to start her own pr firm so she takes a couple of part-time jobs to cobble together enough money to support oh because she's also supporting jerry while he writes the next great novel and oh, so Jerry. she cobbles she's like waiting tables and also working at a sandwich shop um and staying in this relationship where she it begins to be suspicious of his extracurricular activities and so we follow both storylines until they merge again well no until one of them ends because and i'm sorry to do this so early on because happy Gwyneth Paltrow who has fallen off with John Hanna dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she dies. But I also, I had always, I, I like a very bizarre twist. She finds out he, the John Hanna is married, but he like then explains that he's separated. And it's just like such a stupid twist. Cause like a number one, like why wouldn't he have just told her and B number two, like it just feels so unearned, but then like she forgives him cause he's like, we're separated she's staying together she's pretending for my sick mother so it's fine and she's like okay forgive you and then gets hit by a car so i always had interpreted the ending that like the two timelines merged again and like blonde hair oh because the happy gwyneth paltrow also gets a new haircut and she has her classic like 1998 gwyneth hair paltrow yes. hair which is once the, she's like, left the cheating boyfriend she gets like a short blonde hairdo Right, which was what, like, Gwyneth Paltrow was actually actually rocking at this point in time. Well, it's also so we can tell the difference between the timelines. It's yeah, a plot I, So I 
very much prefer watching the happy timeline first of all because Gwyneth Paltrow is happy but second of all because her hair is so far superior to the other haircut right wait why do you think they merge I don't know but that was always my interpretation of the ending but watching it this time I was like I don't know where I got that from well because mom said the same mom was like so he gets on the elevator with her. So then like John Hanna and sad brown haired Gwyneth Paltrow like meet on the elevator at the hospital because she's falling down the stairs. Oh, also they both end up pregnant. This movie is so bad. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So like she is falling after catching after sad Gwyneth Paltrow who stayed with the bad boyfriend the whole time catches him cheating. She falls down the stairs and loses her baby. Other Gwyneth Paltrow uh, miscarries and then dies. <laughs> So she's like leaving the hospital after breaking up with her boyfriend and meets John Hanna on the elevator. And then the movie ends and you think like, okay, so sad when Paltrow now gets the happy timeline, although hopefully without the lying about being married and the death. Um, right. But mom was like, so he, mom thought he was like at the hospital being sad about Gwyneth Paltrow, about blonde Gwyneth Paltrow dying and then runs into brown haired Gwyneth Paltrow. And I was like, no, I think they're entirely separate because otherwise he would recognize her and he'd be like, you just died. See, I, for whatever reason, I really thought we had like a moment where like there was some sparkles and some tinkles and like we, I, I had misremembered. You're merging this movie with 13 going on 30, which is insulting to 13 I thought going on 30. like there was like she dies and then that like that timeline was a race, like it never existed. And so then when we see him walk into the hospital where to go visit his mother, his mother, that is like the sign that that other timeline never existed or something i don't yeah, know yeah i like to interpret that the one where she's dead never existed because it's horribly sad <laughs> right although when i watched it this time i was like i don't care kill it like i'm so mad kill her <laughs> wow you really are like not in the right headspace for this movie because i still like was like this is a charming little movie particularly i mean the happy part this the like brown haired gwen paltrow stuff's really dark actually it's what Yes, like I think what bumps me about this movie is it feels very much, maybe it's just the existence of John Hanna. The, it feels very, we talk a lot about like rom-coms who, that aren't actually funny, but like, cause they're sort of more dramas or like, like last week we did Girls Trip, which like is just a straight comedy. Like this feels like a movie that's genuinely trying to be a rom-com and isn't funny, not because it's not making attempts at jokes, but because they're not landing. Like it, and it feels very much like someone's trying to make a Richard Curtis British rom-com with John Hanna. And it's just faint. Like, it's just, like, not nearly as good. And maybe it's that, like, I don't find Gwyneth Paltrow all that likable. Maybe it's the – but there's also a lot of, like – like, I think this movie does a pretty good job of, like, keeping the timelines clarified. And it's, like, an interesting premise. But then there's, like – like – every sort of twist feels very unearned like he's suddenly married but it's just a misunderstanding and like we we don't know that through the whole movie so it's just like a complication at the end and then like literally when she dies she just he's just like crying over her bedside and then she like flatlines and like he he doesn't like call a doctor like it just it feels very melodramatic it feels like a very melodramatic movie trying to be like a cute, charming rom-com. And, and it, it's like, the, it's just like tonally not consistent in a way that I don't love. Okay. That's fine. 
And also just like Gwyneth Paltrow's wig and accent are so bad, you know? Sorry, I was just seeing what else this writer director had done. Since I'm just like fully insulting him. Yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of British stuff. He's made some other bad rom-coms. Like what? Um, Laws of Attraction. Never seen it. It's Julianne Moore and Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, two people I've loved in other rom-coms, Nine Months, Mamma Mia. Yeah. I bet Nine I Months remember is terrible. You know what I haven't seen in a while? I bet Nine Months is a bad movie. I am sure of it. I'm also it sure it does list. not hold up. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so I interpreted that the blonde timeline isn't real because then, like, she gets to, like, go be happy with John Hammer. Yeah. Uh, not yeah, that, right. Not that she actually dies. Yes, I agree. I think that the brown time or brown hair time or blonde hair timeline, it happens, but it happens, like, after she leaves jerry the second time like so then she still dies no because it, now we're because the timeline is is different because she's not gonna have the like they will not be in that moment where she gets hit by the car because that's already happened but it hasn't it's like the multiverse like like i feel like you need to understand the multiverse in order to like be okay with this not understand but like be okay with the multiverse in order to be okay with this movie Sure, maybe that's where I'm. Maybe that's where I'm falling down. Because, <laughs> um, like, theoretically, like, I don't want to have to like understand Schrodinger's cat in order to enjoy a rom com. No, but like, I sort of understand Schrodinger's cat. I just don't think this movie does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is a failing on my part. <laughs> I watched um, and enjoyed the movie Palm Springs, which I think does understand the multiverse. Fair. Um. Yeah, is this movie where the term sliding doors reality comes from? Or is this movie like I don't using know, great that? question. I, don't I can't know that I've ever heard that phrase. Yes, you have. Like, it's the sliding doors. That's like what people talk about when they're like, what if I had caught the train or whatever? Or like, whatever. I don't know. I don't know which came first. Because I feel like if this. A sliding doors moment has its own Wikipedia. <sighs> Although the term originated from the 1998 film Sliding Doors. Wow, look the, look at its cultural impact, Allison. I cannot believe that this shitty movie has had such a significant cultural impact. Although, to be fair, you like this movie and had never heard that thing. The concept was explored earlier by J.B. Priestley in his 1932 play Dangerous Corner. So maybe there were, I mean, yeah, there wouldn't have been sliding doors in a 1932 play because inventions. Examples of sliding doors moments being used with varying appropriateness. Ooh, Wikipedia getting shady in modern vernacular. Princess Diana's last minute decision to make a trip to Paris. Okay. What if she hadn't? Oh, she would be alive. (laughs) I was like, what trip to Paris? (laughs) You know. A kind of significant one. Sure, 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 sure. Oh, that breaks my heart. Uh, Let's see what other ones. Um, Politics, sports. Um, Oh, it's all sporty. So, yeah, that's going to be the most important one. Well, now that it was like examples of like movies and stuff that like had this premise. Well, no, but it says like another similar one is the butterfly effect, which I don't think that Mm. movie popularized that phrase. 
No. Anyway. And also the musical If Then is like very much in the same vein as this, like with the two realities. Yeah. I think this is a, I think it's a very interesting concept. I think it's been done a lot to varying levels of success. Mm-hmm. Okay, Carrie, I what do like... you like about this movie? I'll just stop shitting on it. I want to, what, convince me why it's good. Um, I feel like you're not going to be convinced. I feel like you're, no, but I do, I want to respect your opinion. <laughs> So I think part of what I really like about this movie is John Hanna. I think yes. John Hanna I, is... I guessed that about you. Um, I think he is an underrated actor. I think, like, we really missed the boat on le- using him as, like, a leading romantic man. Um, I feel like he quickly got relegated to, like, Any supporting... Sidekick? Yeah, sidekick, supporting actor, character actor guy. And, like, he's great in that kind of stuff. But I, there is um, an, an extent to which, like, he is very charming. And I feel like he could have been used more as a leading man. I feel like we really missed the boat on that. Um, and I agree with you on Gwyneth Paltrow's accent she's also like she's not my favorite actor she she's not super appealing to me but I do like their like he's funny she's not funny no but I do like their interactions in this I do find their relationship appealing I do think like her um vulnerability I think she plays well I think that the guy playing Jerry is the character is awful, but I like him as an actor. I think Jean Triplehorn is great. I think she gets the worst of what you you said. This movie is badly written. I don't mind the writing, except for Jean Triplehorn's dialogue is abhorrent, truly abhorrent. They give her the worst. Like I, I I don't know like she who decided to write this woman as like sadistic evil like mistress lady with yeah and then the things she says are like cartoonish truly cartoonish and the scene where she like has her big monologue where she leaves jerry is she gives this like train station analogy that is banana pants okay we're trying (laughs) to make the analogy to the sliding doors of it all okay great it's very unsuccessful it is awful I mean, she says things like, like, I'm a woman, Jerry. I get to, I don't have to tell you what I want, but I get to be mad when you don't know. And I'm like, what? Well, this movie was, you looked it up, written by men, no? Yes. Yeah. This movie has absolutely no understanding of how women think, feel, or act. (laughs) No. So like, I, I love Jean Triplehorn and I think she is, she is acting her butt off in this movie. Justice for Lydia. But she she is horribly written like truly horribly written um but i don't feel that way about any of the other characters i really like anna i like the relationship between gwyneth paltrow and anna anna is her best friend um the scene where she goes blonde and anna sits there the whole time is absurd because nobody should have to sit there while you go blonde it takes most of a day Um, if not multiple days right (laughs) like it's just rude that you would have your friend sit there while you go blonde um, Although, I think I also like I'm I'm very 
seduced by the premise. I think it's interesting to think about like the what if of it all. That's fair. And I fully agree with you on the John Hanna of it all. John Hanna is uh, the man from 40, the one of the gay men from 40 Weddings and Funeral who, spoiler alert, doesn't die. Um, and then it was is like the sidekick in the Mummy franchise. <laughs> um, and I do like, he's very charming. He has a Scottish accent. He's funny. And I completely agree with you on Lydia being a horribly written character, like a cartoonish cartoon, like female seductress villain. She is not a real person. Like mm-hmm. real women have affairs with men in relationships and they don't behave like this. <laughs> no. Um, I don't care for the friend relationship and not like the friends charming and she's Irish and funny and, and defendant and like has a good defense. You know, she's like loyal to Gwyneth Paltrow, but as far as like movies we've watched rom-coms we've watched where we've talked about like like a good rom-coms that then also write like intimate friendships between women this one seemed like a man writing what he thought it was and it's still like very loving and loyal and all that but you're right like she sits there the entire time while she gets her hair done her entire purpose is to like pump Gwyneth Paltrow up she has absolutely no agency or story of her own which again like a side character doesn't need like their own huge story but the character was i don't know anything about that character other than like she doesn't like the men gwyneth paltrow dates and constantly she talks like brandy about. what oh she doesn't like brandy which is important but like there's nothing that there's nothing specific about that character like, I feel like they hired, they cast an Irish actress because they're like, an Irish accent tricks people into thinking this character is, like, funny and well-written because she's going to seem more interesting because her accent's a little bit different than everyone else's. <laughs> like, I just, like, I'm going to compare it to, like, Carrie Fisher and When Harry Met Sally, and and she's just not a person. She's just a blank slate yeah. for Gwyneth Paltrow to bounce things off of. She has no, like, true personality of her own. That is fair. I think I like their, like, I like the interactions that I've seen between them, but I don't necessarily, like, feel strongly one way about the character because you're right. There's, there's not much to her. But, yeah, like, the actress is, like, funny and charming and doing the absolute best with what she has. And she, like, is given nothing. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene, like, there's a scene where Gwyneth Paltrow is, like, decorating her new office. And her best friend is there helping her. And... Gwyneth Paltrow, and I suspect that this was not in the script. I think it was probably a choice that Gwyneth Paltrow made, which maybe speaks more to Gwyneth Paltrow's understanding of women and female relationships than the writer's understanding of women and female relationships. But she like kisses her on the mouth and is like, it's a very like loving, thank you, like intimate moment that I don't know, just rang very authentic and genuine. But I think that you're right that it doesn't speak to the writer i think i would i would almost guarantee that was a choice paltrow made yeah like i know i said the beginning i didn't think paltrow was a good actor but like i do think the actors are doing the best with what they're given and there's some like decent acting in this movie like maybe i'm maybe i'm immediately backtracking on my gwyneth paltrow was a good actor thing i think it's just hard to talk about gwyneth paltrow in 2021 when she is now who we know of her yeah um and so i'm coming at it I've been like spanned on Instagram all week with Goop's new This Candle Smells Like insert name of Kardashian orgasm. And I can't, like, I just can't. 
talk about that as a thing but like so yes i think you're right like there are choices being made and acting choices and there's good things about this movie and it's just being held together with a thread and it's frustrating because it is an interesting premise like done Mm -hmm. well this is a good movie and this isn't a good movie I I like Gwyneth Paltrow as an actress. I agree with you. I don't think she's particularly funny. I do think she does the dramatic stuff well. I think she plays vulnerability and authenticity very well. I was able to sort of remove my like 2000, my like 2021 thoughts on Gwyneth Paltrow while watching this movie. And, and maybe it's the haircut. I was able to like very much focus on like 1998 Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. who I really liked because A Perfect Murder is like maybe one of my favorite like stupid when it shows up on basic cable, I will watch it every time movies. Um, so I was able to sort of like put myself in 1998 sure. and like not focus on the goop of it all. I know that Carrie asked what day cream I used, and I was like, super goop. It's like very sunscreen. And Carrie was like, I will not buy it. Gwyneth Paltrow. And I was like, it's not. It's just like a lady who wanted to bring sunscreen to like schools. <laughs> Makes yeah. a good day cream. Like they're separate. Right. Um, anyway, the sunscreen uh, this goop is not is an not ad associated with Gwyneth Paltrow. Super, in the super goop brand, we will <laughs> shill. The Gwyneth Paltrow group brand, we will not. So super goop, reach out to us. It's just, I will say this is our first astrology positive rom-com and our first instance of the use of star 69 and the scene with her friend when she's talking about like what his sign is and or what and she's reading all their signs i was like yes make important life decisions based on (laughs) and also there's a great scene where she's been a lot of newspapers in this because it's 1998 so she's looking at horoscopes in the newspaper and then she's looking for jobs in the newspaper and fully doing that thing that i don't believe anyone ever did where she used a red pen to like circle jobs yeah there's also a scene where she's saying it's like a montage and she's like there's just no pr jobs and she's crossing out like pr job wanted ads and it's like why like what why isn't that good enough for you what is Meldrum? Like, I assume she like interviewed it and didn't get it or like applied and didn't get it or something. Okay, sure. <laughs> There's just no we, PR jobs as she circles and then crosses out PR jobs. I mean, there are lots of like movie and rom-com like classic tropey moments in this. There's that, the like circling of the newspaper. We get um catching your boyfriend in bed, like in in the throes of of sex. She um, later says, and one of the only lines that I thought, that's pretty funny. When she meets Lydia, she's like, we've met before. I walked down on you faking an orgasm. I was like, all oh, right. Like that. that one. Yeah. You know what? Three points. Um, we get like a, a Lydia Lydia scene where she's like hurriedly packing to like storm out, like just throwing things in a bag. Um, we also get like a romantic declaration of love in the rain. I mean, this writer learned that, that someone is has a wife that's not been given to us at all. <laughs> Correct. We asked to explain it in the rain. Um, so I feel it's almost like like a computer, like a rom-com tropes were like put in a computer and then a computer like spat out this movie. Yeah, I'm really Rom-com tropes like, plus the multiverse were like put in a computer and the computer was like, here's your rom-com. I really feel like this movie was trying to capitalize off the four weddings and a funeral success, not only because they were like, what if we make John Hanna the leading man? great we're on board but also like let's have a romantic declaration of love in the rain except like the difference is 
the four weddings and a funeral one is so much better written. <laughs> it just feels like we're in we're in England. It's the '90s. We've had this like massively successful rom com, and this feels like this feels like piggybacking off that and being so much less successful. Mm-hmm. I think it's also it's it's a ninety. I mean, because she was everywhere in this moment, I think it was an attempt to make her like a rom-com, rom-com star star and it's just not who she is she's no, not julia I can't roberts think of can a do it single all. other rom-com she's in i can what shallow hell oh god i mean yep. i don't that doesn't yeah you count. don't i mean it does it counts as a rom-com i don't think it's a good rom-com and i i don't even think we can say it doesn't hold up because my guess is it wasn't appropriate then <laughs> yeah I'm not but, even sure I'd want to do it on this podcast. It was so offensive. I don't know that I've ever seen it all. Oh, I have. It's awful. Yeah. I, there's no part of me that's going to think that holds up. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't think it's like a, a an Annie Hall where like we can't do it because then we're giving money to an abhorrent person. That, like I just think we just like rip it to shreds. That, that felt like a miscast at the time. This feels like I understand why she was cast in this. Yes. I just don't. It's just interesting that then, like, there was not a rom-com career for her post this movie. Other than Shallow Al, which, again, felt like a miscast even at the time. Well, and, like, again, I have never seen all of or maybe any of shallow hell but i feel like the purpose of casting her in shallow hell was a very misguided like take the most beautiful and attainable woman in the world and put her in a fat suit and see if a man mm-hmm. will still love her like the casting was not like it was p- entirely cast on based w- on what she looked like not like is this woman going to be funny next to jack black right whereas like someone like a Julia Roberts or like a Sandra Bullock who are sort of like 90s early aughts rom-com queens but are also very good dramatic actresses like the difference between them and a Gwyneth Paltrow is I think a sense of humor and a relatability like Mm -hmm. for whatever like Gwyneth Paltrow I think is one of those women who likes a funny man and cannot for the life of her put like a joke together herself like there's nothing about her that's that's funny. I don't, I've never heard her deliver a joke. I don't like, she doesn't have that skill in the way that like Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock and any other like rom-com queen does, you know, you're Jennifer Garner's. <laughs> um, so many she women also, that have I dated mean, Ben Affleck, but also I like, sh- I just don't, and it might be the characters, but I also, there's nothing relatable about her. There's nothing sort of like down to earth like she really can only play these sort of like period or very dramatic characters because where you don't need to feel like you'd want her to be your friend no that i mean gwyneth paltrow has never i I mean to her credit like i don't know that she's ever tried to be relatable i don't think that's her brand no i think Um, she would be in the what's her face um I, I do not want to be relatable. <laughs> right. As compared to Rachel Hollis, who has tried her entire career to be relatable and is now telling us she's not relatable. This is the yeah. second time we're talking about Rachel Hollis. And I don't know why, since neither of us can stand her. But <laughs> Never but cracked open a book of hers. Never will. When is Paltrow, on the other hand, I don't think has ever 
tried to build a relatable brand. Her whole thing is like unattainable standards of health and beauty and lifestyle. She also, I mean, she is. You can just get if you buy her products. Don't ever look into the fact that she is just uh, genetically very uh, gifted and the product of severe nepotism. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is like, she was raised in Hollywood. She's Hollywood nepotism. So there's an extent to which like she wasn't raised to be relatable. Like she wasn't, she's not down to earth because she was raised in this world. And so she was raised wealthy. She was raised famous. She was raised beautiful. Like I just, there's an extent to which like, she's not down to, she's not down to earth. Like that's just not who she is. Do you think she knows she's not down to earth? Yeah, I do. Okay. I respect that in her. You know, like if she thinks, because there was, what was, this was like a few years ago when she was like, I'm going to go to the grocery store and try and buy groceries with the amount of money like a family on food stamps gets. And then she bought like one head of organic broccoli and then was like, I'm out of money. How can anyone live on this? And it's like, well, ma'am, they don't buy organic broccoli. And like, it was, right. I forget what it was, but it was like a, like two organic vegetables and then like a face cream. <laughs> it was like, Gwyneth, that, that's not like... Uh, no um but like those sorts of moments where i'm like oh she like it sort of does seem like she's trying to like connect with the normal people and giantly missing the point well i don't know that she's like real self-aware i mean i think that there's like i don't think she thinks about herself in like that way i think she only thinks about herself she has to sell her i mean 2021 Gwyneth has a brand she has to sell. And so there's an extent to which she has to make it accessible enough that people want to buy it. But I don't know that she's like, I don't know that. And I don't follow her on social media, but I don't know that she's like, let me show you the messy side of things. Like, I don't think she's trying to be relatable in that way. No, that's true. I also, whereas like like a, like a Reese Witherspoon on the other hand, like, her like she is doing kind of like the lifestyle thing too but then I feel like there's also an extent to which she's like you know here's like the messier side of things or like the real side of things or like here's my relationship with my kids here's my x y and z and Gwyneth I don't know is like building like a life like her lifestyle in the same way do you know what I mean yes because I think what it is is like you're right she has she has a brand and she has products she's trying to sell so she, in that way, has to be accessible. But I think the her brand is, this is not accessible. Like, she's right. not, she is not, you and I are not her target demographic. Like, she is going after wealth, upper middle mm-hmm. class, wealthy white women or people that, like, aspire to that. She is not, whereas, like, Reese Witherspoon, and, like, again, like, maybe that maybe I've been watching too much of The Circle, maybe this is the message, is, like, Reese Witherspoon, I think, is going for, like, the every woman, and so is, like, giving us that version of her life. I don't think, like, when we get a peek into Reese Witherspoon's life, we're actually learning about, like, we're still getting what she's agreed to, pu- to put on the internet, right? Like, sure. we're not getting yeah. either of their, like, real lives, but it feels more relatable because she's like my kids are annoyed by me and I have a dog and and I'm I can sometimes be a mess y'all like (laughs) right they're just like selling different shit and one of them you and I are more susceptible to buying I mean I think the other thing like 
is like Julia Roberts and Reese Witherspoon and Sandra Bullock. Like, granted, they have been famous for decades now. And so there's an extent to which, like, they may no longer be relatable, but they were raised in sort of like everyday lifestyles. And so, in that way, I think that, like, there's a groundedness to them that Paltrow just doesn't have by virtue yeah. of the fact that, like, she wasn't raised in everydayness. I mean, um, well, then what and so I, you're right. Our- Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, what does that say of our current reading queen, Dakota Johnson? Are we one day going to lose her to like a goop style lifestyle brand? Well, I think like all of those like nepotism daughters that we have right now in movies, like none of them feel very relatable. Now, granted, they're not, I mean, they're catering to a younger audience. Like it's not for me, but. Right. Dakota's for us. Dakota is, Dakota is, she's for us. That's true. But even she feels a little, like, detached from reality at times. I don't know. She took down Ellen DeGeneres, and once I saw her in a Trader Joe's inexplicably shopping with a child size shopping cart. And because of that, I find her extremely relatable. <laughs> also, we are going to lose her to a goop-style lifestyle style Yeah, she's dating Chris she's Martin. she's dating Chris Martin. Damn! He she, loves himself and nepotism Betty. That's why it didn't work out with him and Jennifer Lawrence. He was like, you're too relatable. Right. <laughs> he he likes them to like come up, you know, wealthy and, and detached from reality. I'm going to spend the rest of the day trying to analyze Chris Martin's attraction to women. Good luck oh, with that. Thank you. I think you'll need like a Venn diagram. I'm going to do it. I support Good. it. When we finish a book club, our next mini soda is going to be like, why does Chris Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're in the like where Gwyneth was in the late 90s we're, we're with Dakota Johnson. Yeah. Maybe I'm being duped. And that's what I'm saying about this movie is like I was able to still enjoy her in this because I put myself in like 90s Gwyneth Paltrow headspace as opposed to 2021 Gwyneth Paltrow headspace. And you're going to look back and you're not going to be able to watch. I don't even fucking know what Dakota Johnson. I've never seen a Dakota Johnson movie. (laughs) Like you're not going to be able to watch the Fifty Shades of Grey movies because you're going to be, you know, worried about her wellness brand. That's what I'm saying. Dupe. exactly exactly oh my god i i'm no but also i'm not because because it hit at a different point i'm going to be a dupe woman because by the time dakota johnson has her lifestyle brand i will have made money and i will uh have forgotten my roots and i will become very um i'm gonna be an upper class lady just trying to stave off aging through healers and serums and candles that smell like I have, you know, uh, Kylie Jenner's orgasm. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be that what person. What does that smell like? Like, so I, I don't know. I do think the like Gwyneth Paltrow. So they had like the Gwyneth Paltrow. So it smells like her vagina candle. Mm-hmm. Like that one. I, I think like had like sense it was like lavender rose and like patchouli or something like i don't think it was actually i don't know if those are the three i just named like three candle fragrances i don't know if that was but like what i'm saying is it, i don't think it smelled like a, a healthy vagina like i don't think there was like essence of fish or whatever <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. 
I don't think it was, like I don't think it was actually so like also like what does an orgasm smell like I like I just think it's right. absolutely insane point. it's just like shit they're putting out there to get people like us talking about it and being like what the fuck does this smell like I have to buy it just to know what the right. hell anything means um but I don't know, like all week I've been getting like this smells like, I think it's just the main three. I don't think Kylie's a member of it. I was just trying to think of like in 10 years, Dakota Johnson's lifestyle brand, who's like the second coming of the Kardashians. And I forgot the name Addison Ray, so I had to go with Kylie Johnson. <laughs> anyway, um, we've gotten but so I digress. far afield from this movie. I think our, our point was that like, there's an extent to which maybe like the rom-com career didn't work out for her because she lacks a authenticity and a relatableness yes and i think that's true and it's not helped in this by the fact that she's using a voice that's not hers i'm like not well like i was trying to think about and like no one using an accent not their accent like there there are only a handful of instances where it's like actually done well um and like one of like one of the most famous i think like well done American doing a British accent and a rom-com is uh, Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones Diary. I honestly mm-hmm. think it might like get a little bit worse, but like her accent was very, it, it was good. And, and I think Renee Zellweger is funny. So I think like that character was more authentic and more grounded and believable. And also like Gwyneth Peltra was doing a very posh accent that Renee Zellweger like wasn't like Renee Zellweger's felt like an actual person's accent. It didn't feel, I think the reason uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's feels like a drama school accent is because it is, it's that like accent that nobody ever has. It's the, right. it's the same as like the uh, old time, like the 1940s actor version of an American accent, which is a dialect nobody has. Right. And so when you hear it in an acting place you're like that's not anyone's voice like that's mm-hmm. not how a like a london a 20 30 something year old like working woman in london speaks right and for whatever reason like be, maybe because she's sort of like done more period stuff where that accent does fit better um it just and this felt so jarring and so like why am i watching this like <laughs> like some like weird like play Right. I'm supposed to be watching like a 20 something working woman in London. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly paired against, well, both of the men, but like the scene that stood out to me was like the scene in the rain where they're having this like really like intimate like proclamation of love. And John Hannah's voice is so specific to him. He has like a his very accent. thick Scottish accent. Yes. It's very specific to him. And so then opposite her and like the guy that plays jerry i don't know for sure that that is his real dialect but it sure sounded like it and it was a little bit more of like a a working class british accent it just sounded um, like an actual british person's like it wasn't right. like uh daniel kaluuya working class which is my favorite type of british accent but it sounded like a real man's voice yes yeah and so like her opposite the two of them with it just it was jarring you're like you well said, and then jarring. like her like, best it friend like she was working at it yes her best friend is irish so it has like a 
has like an Irish accent. Uh, the woman who plays Lydia, Jean Triplehorn, has a American accent that sounds like you know it's not that sort of nineteen forties um, American accent. It, everyone else sounds like people, and she sounds like uh, a caricature. Also, I'm so sorry. The woman who plays her best friend is from Belfast, Northern Ireland, so may or may not identify as British. But we don't have to get into the politics of that. <laughs> I'm trying to look up what, where the guy who plays Jerry is from. Uh, he's also Northern Irish. Yeah. So yeah, they all have sort of like specific, unique accents. Mm-hmm. And she has this like, it's like, do you remember? I don't know why I have such a clear memory of this, but sometime like around this time, she was presenting an award to Anthony Hopkins and she pronounced it Anthony. And I remember like as a child being like, why the fuck is she saying, like, why isn't she saying Anthony? And mom was like, cause like his name pronounced in a British accent is you wouldn't, you would say the TH like a T. So like Anthony Hopkins probably says his name Anthony, but like, you know, who is like from like Los Angeles or Connecticut, Gwyneth Paltrow, like, Right. Paltrow doesn't need to pronounce it in the British accent. Like, right. Yes, exactly. It just there's something so like pretentious about her. It's very like former theater kid energy. It's very former theater kid energy. Yeah. And I say that as a former theater kid, but like, yeah, there's just a we can insult it because again, I we were both high school theater kids I fully had I fully went to to drama school (laughs) right (laughs) I know the second year just took a dialect class so now I'm going to speak in this very formal British accent accent because I didn't (laughs) I can make fun of this because I have performed in more than one knockoff of the vagina monologues (laughs) the Jerry character is awful like I there's an extent to which I feel like he would not be so bad if written today. Like, I think that there were elements of that character that at the time we just thought of as like the cheater that now we would think of as abusive. And so, Oh, he like fully gaslights gaslights her. her. Yes. Like in my head, I started, she's like, are you cheating on gaslighter by Daisy chicks? (laughs) I'm sorry, Carrie. It's the chicks. You're right. The um, yes, he, she's fully like, I thought I saw two brandy glasses and he like starts calling her crazy and a liar. And like, it's so like, it's, I was like, oh, I can't believe that I am watching this in a rom-com. And not that like we shouldn't be having conversations about, but I, about like what abuse and what gaslighting looks like. But I think in the late nineties that we didn't have that vocabulary. We didn't have the understanding of what that looked like and so this was written to just be like run-of-the-mill cheater guy and that's just how men treat women (laughs) like right and so I would hope like written in 2021 if we were just going to do like run-of-the-mill cheater guy that kind of stuff wouldn't be there well and I would also because I think he sort of has a similar problem to Lydia Jean Triplehorn's character which is like neither of them are people they're like they're just these sort of stereotypical it's hard to see what Gwyneth Paltrow's character likes in Jerry like everything that's so endearing and sweet about uh uh John John Hannah's character is the 
like it doesn't exist in Jerry. And maybe it's a problem with all of them. Like none of them are all that complicated a character. Like mm-hmm. I think, and so you're just given these sort of archetypal, stereotypical, like great guy, evil guy, evil cheating woman, Gwyneth Paltrow's the pure good woman, instead of them being like complicated, interesting, messy people. Like even the John Hanna character, I think what I don't love about the like revelation that he has a wife, but don't worry, it's not that bad because they're separated and just staying together for his mother, is that like, it's such an easily solved problem. It doesn't take away from his like being a perfect guy. Like he doesn't have flaws. So instead of him being like, I... I have this complicated relationship and I really have feelings for you and I would love for like to work through. It's, it's just so such an easily solved problem. And we get to go back to him just being like ideal man mm-hmm. in the opposite way that Jerry's like just a shitty guy. It's like none of these, they're none of them are real people. None of them right. are developed. And so but like, you could, I mean, you could write like shitty boyfriend cheater guy without the gaslighting and abusiveness yes. like you could i mean we've seen it like you can write like crappy guy crappy boyfriend and leave out all the stuff that's like really jar- like i would argue that the best example of it is a movie we have not yet done that i might add to my top 10 list that's rapidly growing to like a top 50 list but also i don't think it's a rom-com that has both of those characters. Wait- the movie Waitress and subsequently the Broadway play Waitress has shitty cheater guy who you fall in love with and abusive husband. Right. And there is no – and you know why she breaks up with one and is like, get out. I never want to see you again. You're an abusive piece of shit. And the other one is like, this isn't going to work, but thank you for your time. Like, right. Because one of them is a is a dark – is a person with severe problems who does not deserve to be in a relationship with someone until he works through them. And the other one is just like a flawed character. Right. Right. And it's just written better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think like in the better version of this movie, Jerry is, I mean, he can even be more unlikable than the doctor and waitress, but we don't have to go as far as him, like making like truly gaslighting her to make her think she's crazy. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think like Jerry should be, um, the fuck is his name? We'll never get there. Sorry. Yeah, you will. He's the guy from Castle. Oh, his real name? Yeah. I thought you meant the character's name. Um, no, his, his, the character name is Dr. Potomac. <laughs> What's. You're right. He's Castle. I'm not, we are not doing this. <laughs> I can't think of the guy that plays her husband either. What the hell is his name? Uh, he, he, he's Elton and from Clueless. Clueless. Nathan Fillion and Jeremy Sisto. We are broken people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think you can write the Nathan Fillion character. I think a lot of what's endearing about that character, also like very tonally different movie from that. Yeah. Much better written movie than this. Um. But, like, Nathan Fillion brings a lot of the, like, likability. And so we and Carrie Russell forgive him for cheating on his wife, the woman from Scandal. But also, like, the red-haired woman. Fascinating. Um, and I think you can make him a little more unlikable. Like, I think there are things about that character that's unlikable. He is she sleeping with his wife in Castle. Get out of town. She plays his ex-wife, the, like, the mother of his child on castle 
Um, I now believe that these two movies exist in the same universe because he, at the end of Waitress, spoiler alert, he goes back to his wife. They move on. He decides to become a writer. Anyway, (laughs) I've never seen Castle. Yeah. Um, And then gets divorced. They have a child, gets divorced, and he and his child are living in New York. Yep. Um, What was I saying? Anyway, like, that character isn't a great person. He sleeps with a patient. He cheats on his wife. He's not a great person, but he's still not, you know, Jeremy's sister. Right. Right. Yeah. Nick yeah. Cordero. I just, Nick I Cordero needed a little more like nuance in the Jerry character and mm-hmm. less abusiveness. Yeah. Well, and again, like, I don't think we were talking about that kind of behavior at right. the time as abusive. I think it was sort of like, this is how men are in the yes. same way that like the Lydia characters written is like, this is how women who sleep with married men are instead of like, people make choices and make mistakes and are of nuance and that doesn't make them good or bad people (laughs) right and like a good a well-written character sort of acknowledges that right yeah now i want to watch the shit out of waitress Mm -hmm. same because even jeremy sisto who like is the closest to a bad person you you understand better he seems like a real person not someone you want to be married to but he seems like a real person these seem Mm -hmm. like caricatures and this movie is arguably tonally more grounded than something like waitress so why does waitress which is very not grounded i think that's i think that's like deceptive like i think it is enormously grounded but the narrative construct is not this like, or waitress waitress yes but i don't like i think waitress is written to be broad correct yeah and it and it works because the characters are so grounded right like if you watch the movie waitress which i have in quarantine because it's one of my favorites you're like oh i know why someone was like this should be a musical yeah Anyway, we've now gone off on a real waitress. Just, I mean, this I, like we've talked about sliding doors for maybe like fifteen minutes of this entire Do podcast. Anything but talk about sliding doors. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it, to be quite honest. Like, it's it's a very sort of like classic '90s rom-coms. There are things that work. There are things that don't work. I enjoyed it more than Allison did. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, you know what else Jerry does? And when he's gaslighting her, this is the worst. As he's gaslighting her, he's like, she, and she's like, I think I saw two brandy glasses that day. He's like, well, you had a head injury. Oh, yeah. Fucking what? <laughs> and then it's he, so like, escalates it. And dark. Because like, this is, like, after they've had sex, and he's like, you've ruined this perfectly fine moment. And it's, I mean, it is like class like the things we like look at now is like classic examples of emotional abuse i mean like it's put wild. in here uh, just a tiny clip of that chick song gaslighter but not me right. singing it like <sighs> should have yeah. been played by natalie main's ex-husband allegedly don't sue me um i didn't know that well that's who that song gaslighter is about i didn't know that that whole album that's her lemonade Oh, if you don't listen to the whole album, there's a great song called Tights in My Boat, where she talks about how he slept with a woman, his like mistress. They had sex on her boat. 
there's also a really good line in one of the books that says uh who who will pay your taxes now that i'm done oh damn all right i gotta put it on my list to listen to the Gary, whole that whole album is so good once again we're not talking about the movie sliding doors. okay um let's wrap this shit up do you have anything else to say about this movie no i'm never watching it again <laughs> what are we watching next week <laughs> next week we are watching i mean i think what we could argue is a christmas rom-com so christmas in uh, late may uh serendipity not a christmas rom-com but i see where your head is at excuse me what are your predictions for this movie? Have you you've seen this movie? Yes, Carrie. I grew up in a home with you. Okay. Yes, I've seen this movie. I've seen it in my adulthood, although not in the past few years. Probably as recently as I'd seen Sliding Doors, to be honest. So maybe I'm gonna discover I also don't like Serendipity, although that can't be true. I yeah, I don't think I've seen this movie in years. I think it will still hold up, um, save Jeremy Piven, who doesn't hold up as a person. I think it'll hold up. I don't think I'll end up liking it as much as I used to. Yeah. Like, there's a reason I haven't watched it in a long time, I think. Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. So find us there. Tell us what you think of. Tell us if you're a team Carrie or team Allison in terms of sliding doors. Which sliding door reality do you? I'm trying to make it work and it's not. Um, Tell us what you think of that movie. Tell us what movies we should watch. Tell us if Waitress is a rom-com. <laughs> um, join us next week when we're finishing out our book club on the book one to watch. And we'll also be talking about Aud- Aubrey Gordon's book, uh, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. And then in two weeks for, wait, yeah. that's for, don't join us next week for that. We're done with that by the time this airs. <laughs> no, this is Monday and then one to watch. And then serendipity. You're right. Then Sarah, Carrie's got it. This is why I'm not in charge of scheduling. Yep. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Bye. Bye.